Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Unboxing Judaism podcast. It's been a really, really long time since our last episode. Rabin Higgel, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's great to sit together with you and discuss topics that are relevant that people want to know about. Yeah. So the recent question that I've been asked multiple times is that uh, people say, Rabbi, you know, uh, why don't the religious serve in the IDF? The IDF is the Israeli Defense Force. And as everyone knows, uh, Israel was uh, attacked, uh, brutally attacked with a tr- terrible massacre on October 7th, which uh, resulted in a uh, response from Israel, a war in Gaza, and uh, where we need to eradicate evil from the midst of this earth. And from our midst, and and from it just it's it's unbelievable uh, the the brutality, the evil that was displayed on October seventh, and uh, the response I think is uh, is due. So the question is, why don't the religious serve in the IDF? So I just want to start before we even get into the conversation, is that I think that that's uh, incorrect. Okay, so. <laughs> the whole question is factually, factually wrong. The whole premise of the question is off and period. Okay, so we can end this podcast. But I uh, want to talk a little bit more about this and hopefully get some more insight into what really is going on in the whole uh, Israeli uh, world so that we can hopefully have a better picture of what's going on. So um, once you say that it's factually incorrect, that in fact there are many, many religious Jews that serve in the IDF and are proudly serving in the IDF. I'll just, I'll just add that my father, who grew up uh, Shomer Shabbos, uh, kept kosher his whole life, put on tefillin every day, etc., etc., served three years in the IDF. And he's a Shomer Shabbos Jew. So that's just, for me, close to home proof that this is factually incorrect. But please, Rabbi Nagel. Okay, so there is, there is, okay, even every mistake comes from somewhere and there is a basis for it where the mistake starts. And what it comes from is that there is definitely a position that exists in certain, certain, what we, what I would call Haredi communities, which are like the ultra orthodox communities where they discourage their uh, students from serving in the army. So, yes, it does exist. Now, 
let's dig into that a little bit deeper. That being said, many do. There's an entire division um, of the army where the Haredim are serving. Okay, so that does exist. Controversial with amongst the Haredim whether it's appropriate or not. But what the point is this, and this is very, very crucial to really um, understanding. The Israel Defense Force is there to defend the Jewish people from attacks. We have a Torah that we are taught from the study of Torah and from our prayers that they also serve to protect the Jewish people. That's very, very important to recognize that that is a core belief of the Jewish people, of the Torah, that studying Torah provides protection. Prayer provides protection. And if you would look and only listen to what's going on and what even the people in the army are saying, they will be the first to admit that they actually palpably can feel the prayers and the Torah study that is being done and the miraculous nature of how they're being protected thanks to it. So that to me is something that we need to realize that it exists and not only exists, it's very powerful and it's a source of protection. So if we're studying Torah, then we, then that itself helps to protect us. And again, the people who are not studying Torah should absolutely be trying to protect the Jewish people in the physical army as well. But they're both needed and both necessary in this situation because unless we're all learning Torah, then God will do all the protecting. But for the people who are involved in other activities, that's what it is. Yeah, so to summarize what you're saying, if I understand correctly, Rabbi Nagel, it's something that I've said numerous times here on this set uh, in our regular classes that there are two components to war. There's the physical. You see, just last week in Yaakov with Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov is is meeting with his brother Esav, and he prepares spiritually and he prepares physically. There's a physical war which is involving guns and tanks and missiles and, and rockets and tactics and, and and intelligence and air force, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's another part of the war. Uh, there's another part of the war, which is the spiritual component of war. And what th- those who are learning Torah are contributing to the war in that they are the, the batteries, so to speak, the spiritual force behind the military. We see this by the war with Amalek when Moshe and Joshua were battling with Amalek. So Joshua was out in the field and he was leading the the troops against Amalek. But what was Moses doing? Moses was holding his hands up. And we know that as long as his hands were up, they won the war. When as soon as his hands were lowered down, they would lose the war. And I think, if I can say, what is the idea of raising his hands? What what's he doing? What what type of spirituality is that? That is the spirituality, is that you raise up your hand and you say, I have nothing. What do people do when they're caught, when they're captured? They raise up their hands. The idea is, is that y- you have me. What was Moshe saying? Moshe, Moshe is saying, 
on a spiritual level. Hashem, I have no arms. You are my arms. Hashem, I have no, no power. I have no ability to overcome an enemy, an enemy force. But you can, Hashem. And that's why Moshe raising his arms is displaying that for the entire Jewish people, we recognize that nothing has the ability to bring us victory other than the will of Hashem. So that's point number one. Number two is my grandfather would talk about this many, many times in the yeshiva, particularly in the Mir yeshiva. I remember hearing him say this. He would say that any student in the yeshiva, because this has been a point of great contention in Israel, or why don't the religious have equal duty to protecting the country? And what the Torah tells us and what the sages tell us is that the learning of Torah is equal, if not greater, protection for the Jewish people as the soldiers. They're the soldiers of spiritual force, and they're the soldiers of physical force. My grandfather would say that if there is a single student in the yeshiva who is not learning to his fullest, he is called a rodef. A rodef is someone who is a pursuer, someone who is who is causing damage to other people. Where in which a, a student in yeshiva who's sitting around just because he doesn't want to go to the army, so he's just going to hang out in yeshiva, and it's like this will be my my defense from that responsibility. It's a terrible, terrible thing. If someone is indeed sitting and learning Torah, and by the way, even the leftists of the left who have gone after the yeshiva students for millennia, even they admit there has to be some people learning Torah. There has to be in every generation, even back in Egypt, we had the we had the the tribe of Levi. They were the, they were the scholars, and even the Egyptians recognized you need to have a spiritual element as well. So. We have to be very careful about that. One more thing I wanted to add is that I had the great privilege of meeting the first group of recruits in the Nachal Haredi, the, the, the Haredi, the ultra-Orthodox combat unit that started back in the 90s, in the late 90s. And I had the privilege of meeting them uh, at one of their meetings in, in Jerusalem. The person who started this program is a friend of my father, and he invited us to come meet with the soldiers and to hear, you know, some of their, they were having like a meeting with their, with their officers. And the first is, it's so beautiful to see, you know, the, the, the kippah with the soldier, with the army uniform and the tzitzis sticking out. I think it's, I think it's, it's beautiful and it's holy and it's unbelievable. But what these guys were demanding of their commanders was, you promised us that when we're in the army, we will be able to perform our mitzvahs and our Torah study exactly like we were able to in yeshiva. And we don't have the ability to learn as much as we wanted to learn. They're cutting short our prayer times. We don't have the nitilat yadayim uh, you know, that we typically would have next to our bed in the, in the army base. And many of the things that they were demanding was like, we want to serve in the army. We want to protect our people, but we also want to have the ability to serve Hashem properly wherever we are. And I think that, that that combination is such a beautiful thing. If you have someone who can sit and learn, let them sit and learn all day. No one should interrupt them. No one. It's sacred. But if someone is not up to learning all day, so then go. Go continue to serve Hashem and have it in the most holy way. 
and physically be on the front lines to protect the people. just want to point out that I think a lot of people don't realize. They look at the world in, in a physical world that uh, there's events that happened that are just random or there is things that are happening that are causes and effects, why this happens. Iran wants to make proxies and there's all kinds of explanations as to why a battle or a war comes about. I just want to point out, and this is something that's very crucial to understand in life. A war that happens is a communication from God. It's God talking to us. The puzzle says, Hashem ish milchama, Hashem shemo. God is the master of war. War does not come from countries that want to fight, that are upset. It's all directed from God. Now, that is a very scary thought. Why is God doing this? But sometimes we need, unfortunately, a very big wake-up call. If you could think about what happened in these events, as terrible as they are, one can recognize by looking in hindsight how big of an important wake-up call it was for us Jewish people, ourselves. A wake-up call. And to think that it's only physical is not recognizing God's hand in the events that happen in history. It's not just random or things or something else. It's not Putin. It's not the Ayatollah. It's God orchestrating events for a reason. When you recognize that, so then focusing and knowing that that what that means is, is that there's always in every war a spiritual underpinning that's being demanded of us in the war. And yes, it wakes us up. We need to strengthen ourselves in our Torah study, in our prayer. We need to connect to God in a more real and true way. That's what the message is. And that's what the war is. If we're ignoring that and we're just focused on, well, we need better intelligence or a blame game. What happened with the intelligence? Why did they, well, what a terrible failure. We focus on that too much. Then you're missing the true message. You, that, that God is sending to us that we need to be aware that Hashem is telling us, God is telling us, we need to wake up. We need to do something in our spiritual life. That's the message. You know, it, it, it's amazing that you mentioned that, Rabbi, Rabbi Nagel, because the, we know our sages teach us that a nation doesn't have the ability to raise a finger on the Jewish people if the Almighty doesn't decree it. And the only reason the Almighty would decree it is to bring out what I think is the most remarkable results from this war. And it's not only eradicating the evil of Hamas. It's the unity that has resulted amongst the Jewish people throughout the world. It's the most incredible thing, the outpouring of love for one another, the outpouring of connection and the desire for people wanting to learn and to grow and to be closer to God. 
to be closer to our Torah. It's the most marvelous thing. To, you know, the achtos, the echad, ki ish echad echad, the only way we received the Torah was because we were one nation, one soul. The only way we get anywhere in our world as Jews is if we're united. Just, just the other day, we were, uh, as a community, tying the tzitzis, the, the, the strings of the tzitzis, for the soldiers that want, these aren't religious soldiers, they want to have the protection of the mitzvah of tzitzis. It was green. It was a nice uh, garment. It has to be. It, it has, has to, to be green. Right. The military requires. The military requires it to be green. And we're tying the strings that remind us of all the mitzvahs of God. That mitzvah we're doing and helping them perform the mitzvah. This is their request from us. I mean. Amazing. The here's. I, have, I want to go a little bit out on the limb here. Make no mistake. We have, if we don't take advantage of that emotion in our hearts of creating that unity and we sort of dig in on the differences between us and our fellow Jews who don't see eye to eye the same way that I see. The Messiah will come, but the people who missed out will have missed out. There'll be a lot of milk on their face and be quite embarrassed that they were not getting the message that unity is crucial. And yes, it's true, there's differences and there's things that people aren't doing exactly as what I think is right. But we have to remember that first of all, we need humility. We don't always know all the answers. And we need to also give the benefit of the doubt that maybe they have a way of seeing things that they don't realize. And their heart's in the right place. And our heart needs to be in the right place. This is crucial. And this is what the calling of our time is all about. And, you know, it's something scary to think about because... I'm afraid that many people might be missing the boat over here and not recognize that this is such an important time to really dive in on the unity. Get get together. There's an opening in their hearts. Now's the opportunity. Now's the chance. We have to grab it. You know, uh, since the the beginning of this war, I've been listening to Israeli radio on an on a almost regular basis, trying to listen as much as possible to get it uh, in, in, in Hebrew, uh, to get in the, the, the feel of the people and to feel that, you know, what, what's really going on on the ground in Israel. And every once in a while, you, you'll hear on the hourly news, you know, the, the broadcaster talking about one of the politicians and one of the members of Knesset is uh, saying, BB this, BB that, he should be prime minister, not be prime minister, terrible, great, awful, amazing. You know, it's like everyone's fighting. And I'm j- just the only thing that I'm thinking is like, guys, don't, don't lower this. 
to a don't ruin it don't ruin it to a little uh, you know petty argument between politicians i mean the people are on such a high level right now where the unity is so palpable and so felt a, a couple of friends of mine were in israel now in the past couple of weeks they're like you have to book a ticket and go it's a different israel you won't recognize it it's a different israel and you have to go. They said, go before the war is over because it, this, this war could not have had better results. Could not have had better results. I know it's tragic. And, and to lose one Jew, forget 1,200 in one day, to, to lose even one Jew is tragedy for our people. But to have such a unity come from it is the greatest merit for every single one of those souls that they are the impetus that brought about an unbelievable unity amongst the Jewish people. I mean, you could just see the videos there out there of, I mean, you know, these are, these aren't, you know, I can't, I, they're not I, rabbis or scholars. They're, they're not rabbis or scholars. They're, they're secular grow. They grew up secular. They didn't know any better, but they're singing. And their emotional connection to God is so powerful, it's inspiring to rabbis. This is something that we need to see and look at and admire and connect to. It's, it's true. There's, there's something real that's woken up inside their hearts. I mean, what kind of army does that before going to battle? This is like the army of Joshua. They're saying Shema Yisrael before going out to battle. This is, this is. It's unprecedented. It's unheard of. This is something that is, if we don't wake up and realize and open our minds to recognize what it is that's happening in the very front, in front of our eyes, we're going to miss out on something unbelievable. Yeah, so, you know, we, we know that the Messiah can't come when there's strife. Messiah can't come. You know, when there's uh, fights going on amongst our people. And if you look at what was going on in Israel the last year, whether it be judicial reform, arguments and fights between the religious and the not non-religious or the right and the left and, and, and desecration of holy sites and desecration of shuls. I mean, it, it was just, it, it was, it was painful. And we, it was, also, I would just interject. It was something that we were, you would think and saying like, there's no hope for us. There's no common ground. You listen to the two sides and there's no common ground. That's what, that's what was going through our minds just a mere, what was it, six months ago? Yeah. That's what we were thinking. We we're like, oh my goodness, this is so horrible. And here we are in the most unified state the Jewish people have ever been in. It's the most, un it's the most miraculous thing. But you know, you know, it's really incredible is that we say every single Pesach, we sit with our families around the, uh, around the Seder and we say, Vihisha Amda, and many people sing it and many, many different beautiful tunes. Vihisha Amda Lavisenu, it's that faith in Hashem. It's that trust in God's protection of us. Sha'amda Lavisenu Vilanu, that has protected and has stood with our patriarchs, our matriarchs, our ancestors, and with us. Not only one nation has tried to 
remove and rid rid the world of the Jews. It's not only the Germans. It's not only the British. It's not only the French. And it's not only the Iranians. And it's not only the Syrians and the Lebanese and the Egyptians. And you name the nation and you can see the attempt to rid the world of the Jews. But you know what protects us? But the Almighty and the Almighty alone is the one who defends us and protects us. We have had so many unbelievable wars won by the Jewish people. And if you talk to the military people who were on the ground, they will tell you this doesn't make sense. In fact, in West Point, the military school West Point, they do not use Israel as an example to learn about battle. They do not use Israel. They will talk about other nations. They say, because what happens in Israel is supernatural. Nothing makes sense. You can't explain the victory of the Jewish people on a, on a blackboard. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. How do the you explain? Don't make sense. The, nothing makes sense. The Six Day War was like just like I- impossible. They're attacked by thirteen other nations. They're outnumbered in tanks. They're outnumbered by 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 the sea. They're outnumbered by troops. They're outnumbered by yeah. air force, and they win. And they win handily. How is that possible? We have to know that our wars are not won only with troops and strategy. Our victories come from Hashem. And that's what we're grateful for. And that's what we're all trying to hopefully be partners by doing our mitzvahs. You know, we're sitting here in Houston, Texas, but there are many people all over the world who are trying to figure out what can I do? What can I do to help our soldiers, to help our people, to protect our homeland? We have to realize that it's all about our connection with God. And if we can undertake a single mitzvah, learning of Torah, listen to another class, go to a class, go to synagogue, put on tefillin, tzitzis, light the Shabbos, Shabbos candles, light the Hanukkah menorah, do a single mitzvah, that mitzvah has merits far beyond what we can possibly imagine. So any, any final words, Rabbi? I just want to say something which I think is so important is that I really feel that we were here before. We were, we had the opportunity in the past to take our experiences and actualize it to be the event that will bring the Messiah. We had that chance by the Six Day War, by other mm-hmm. miraculous points in our history. But we can't sit back and let it happen. We have to make it happen. How so? By recognizing that God is calling us to do what we can, which is what we can do. Connecting to Him, cleaving to Him, trying to be a living Kiddush Hashem. Sanctification of God's name. Sanctification of God's name. And we, you know, the enemies of the Jews don't care if we're left or if we're right or somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. That's, That's what we need to think also. It doesn't matter.
And to me, you know, we say there's an expression. Pasuk says, which means that like a pomegranate is rakasech. Rakasech comes from the word, the most empty Jew is packed with mitzvahs like a pomegranate seed, with seeds. It's so many seeds. You open it up, you see hundreds and hundreds of seeds. When you look at these Jews that, that are just, again, grew up with nothing, their amuna pshuta that they're exhibiting right now. Rabbi simple Wolby faith. Just, simple faith. Rabbi Wolby just sent a letter that was written by one of the soldiers. Strengthen your Torah study because that's what's saving us. If only a fraction of the stories that are coming from the front lines are true, these are open miracles that are happening in front of us. We need to recognize this is God calling us, and we need to answer that call. And uh, again, to just answer the question that we originally started with, if someone is able to join the IDF, they should, and they have to. If someone is able to sit and learn Torah, they should, and they have to. This is our responsibility, to get involved, to get involved at whatever capacity Hashem gifted us with. Hashem should bless us all, that we shouldn't only be protected from our enemies, we should be protected from one another, that we should only be armed with love for our fellow Jews. Love your neighbor, love your friend, love your congregants, love your community, love those who think like you and those who don't, those who vote like you and those who don't. It's not a time for us to have any single separation between one Jew and another. Hashem should bless us all with only peace in the world and only peace amongst our people. Amen. Amen. Beautiful.